Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. Today's podcast is the live recording of Chuck's sermon and an anthem from All Saints Sunday, November 1st, 2020. We hope you'll enjoy. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for recognizing my birthday today. I think we all would agree when we consider our lives uh, that really what makes life rich and full and good is uh, our faith and our relationship with God and the relationships that we have with, with each other. So on my birthday, I want to thank you for being who you are and uh, for meaning what you mean uh, to me. It is a, a good thing to be among you. And I know you look around this morning and you feel that for those that you sit next to and you see in this sanctuary. And we all gather today and miss those uh, who are not here. So um, I hope you have a full day. And a full day usually is a day in which you have the chance to love and be loved, is it not? The Scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Uh, Sometimes the 11th chapter of Hebrews is called the Biblical Hall of Fame. Uh, One after another, these famous biblical characters are mentioned throughout the chapter, even beyond what we are reading today. So join me as we consider the first 16 verses of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through faith, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith, without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, He has prepared a city for them. Let us pray. O God, on this day when we remember and celebrate the lives that have gone before us, when we are reminded of those who have lived these extraordinary lives of faith. May faith grow in our hearts and in our minds that we too may please you because of the faith that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've always called this chapter the Hall of Fame of Biblical Characters. One after another, those names that we know, those names that we remember, those names whose story we are familiar with are listed in this chapter and they are honored in this chapter because they were people of faith. The Hall of Fame is something that seeks to bestow upon a person the highest honor. If you are in the Hall of Fame, you are, quote-unquote, as my dad would say, the cream of the crop. You are the best of the very best. And so we have a number of halls of fame where we honor people. There is a country music hall of fame. There is a gospel music hall of fame. There is a rock and roll hall of fame. And on and on it goes in the music world. And you know about it. And you know some of the people who have been honored by being inducted into that hall of fame. And when you reach the country music hall of fame, you're considered the best of the best. You're considered to have created music that stands apart from from so many others who may have been outstanding, but they weren't quite worthy of the Hall of Fame. We have halls of fame in sports. We have uh, the basketball and baseball and football halls of fame, and they're tourist sites. People like to come and go through these halls of fame and see the glove that so-and-so used and the football that so-and-so called. And we know the names of those people. They are the most familiar names to us. They are the most famous athletes who have ever lived. And as a result of their expertise and their accomplishments, they have been rewarded by being invited into and named as a member of the Hall of Fame. There are all kinds of Halls of Fame. If you go and look it up, you'll find that there's a candy Hall of Fame. I tried to find the list of candies that had been inducted into the Hall of Fame. 
but I didn't have time really to look it up. I know Butterfinger has to be there. And I, and I know Reese's Cups, they have to be there. There's no way that you could have a Candy Hall of Fame and not include those two. And you probably have something in your mind this morning that you know is in the Candy uh, Hall of Fame. Some Halls of Fame, are, I don't think, are quite as elegant quite as distinguished as others. There's a Presidential Hall of Fame. I would think that it would be in Washington, D.C. or, I don't know, New York City or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania perhaps, but it's not. It's, it's in Claremont, Florida. And when you look it up, it tells you uh, six-tenths of a mile away is un- Uncle, Uncle Kenny's Barbecue. So you can visit the Presidential Hall of Fame. And if you work up an appetite by looking at all of the bust of the presidents and memorabilia that is there, you can finish and drive down to Uncle Kenny's and have a little barbecue in Claremont, Florida. I'm sure it's a wonderful trip, but it it doesn't really make me think of Cooperstown, New York, where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. It doesn't make me think that it's probably the most elegant thing ever, but nonetheless, there is a Presidential Hall of Fame in Claremont, Florida. Have any of you ever been there? Nobody's eating at Uncle Kenny's? Well, neither have I. I guess we'll have to get... We'll have a trip one day. We'll take the church buses down there and we'll all go to the Presidential Hall of Fame and eat a little barbecue at Uncle Kenny's. We look at this 11th chapter of Hebrews and we hear the names. Cain and Abel. And Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice. We hear about Enoch. We don't know much about him, but we know that Enoch did not die. He was just simply taken, as the Bible says. We read about Noah. We read about Abraham and Sarah. And on and on the story goes. We sanitize our saints in Christianity, don't we? When we have a Christian Hall of Fame, we try to sanitize those people. But the Bible is never guilty of that. Uh, The Bible is very honest about the people that are honored. The Bible says, yes, they were great people. They lived by faith, which is an extraordinary thing to do. But they also had their flaws. They had their mistakes. They had their transgressions. So the Bible does not whitewash the saints. The saints are both famous and flawed. Uh, They're they're all of that. When I stand here today and I say to you, good morning, sinners, you really probably should say, if you're honest about yourself, good morning. And you should add to that, good morning to another sinner, because I'm one who stands before you. But you might be a little more reluctant if I said, good morning, saints. You might think, well, I'm no saint. I'm not like Abraham, and I'm not like those people. I'm just, you know, I can, I can own the fact that I'm a sinner, but I have a hard time owning the fact that, that I am a, a saint. Because we tend to sanitize them. Every, not every, but so many Christian jokes, so many jokes about heaven begin with St. Peter was standing at the pearly gates. Now let's look at that, because Peter is considered a saint. And Peter did say at Caesarea, you know, when he was asked a question, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was a wonderful moment for Peter. I think Peter should be in the Hall of Fame. Any of you? Would you put Peter in the... No, you would not. Okay. 
Sorry, Peter, they don't like you here at Athens First United Methodist Church. Most of us would put Peter in the Hall of Fame. We see him as, as someone who was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And so, so often it's St. Peter. But we also know about Peter that he was a flawed person. Not only did he confess Christ, but he also denied Him as well. In such an important moment in the life of Jesus, He was not there for Him. So we have this, this man who is conflicted. He has wonderful moments in which he is a witness, and then he has moments when he's such an abysmal failure. And then we move on to who maybe? St. Paul? We sanitize St. Paul? Paul persecuted Christians and Paul stood there when Stephen was stoned to death. Can you imagine experiencing a stoning? Watching people throw stones at another human being for so long and including so many that they finally take the man's life with stones. And you stand there idly by and you just watch it holding the coats of those who are throwing the stones so that they have the opportunity to participate in the murder of a man whose only sin is that he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was Paul. We call him Saint Paul because Paul also is the greatest missionary the church has ever known. He's written some of the most important books in the Bible. So when we say saint, we also recognize that saints are sinners. That's why if I said to you, good morning, saints, you would be worthy of saying good morning, because you are. You seek to live your life by faith. But if I said to you, if I greeted you with good morning sinner, you'd have to own that too, just as I do, because we know that, that we are. So we don't sanitize Peter, and we don't sanitize Paul, and we don't sanitize Abraham or Joseph or David or any of the others. We know they had feet of clay just like we do. But we also know they are indeed saints because they spent their lives living them by faith. And it seems to me in Hebrews that's the key. We live by faith. And the product of that, what is the product of living by faith day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year? The product of that is, is we begin to, to love better we begin to love without keeping score much of the time when we're living by faith. We, we begin to give, and when we give, there's a generosity in our hearts that, uh, that enables us to give with not really having any strings attached to that. And we begin to serve. We begin to serve in, in, a, in a different way. We don't really serve with reluctance and with complaining. We serve without, without hesitation. And so when one lives by faith, it does not lead one to live a life without flaws. However, it does lead one to begin to love well 
and to serve without delay and to give and not expect anything in return. When that starts to happen in our lives, we know that we're beginning to live uh, by faith. It's evident in who we are. Saints live by faith. What does it really mean to be a saint? Leonard Sweet says when he was a kid, his grandmother would always say, Leonard, be a saint and get my sweater, would you? Be a saint and get my sweater for me, would you? I remember being the remote control when I was a kid. I do. My dad and mom never said, hey Chuck, be a saint and change the channel. Or be a saint and darken it or brighten it a little bit. Or stop that flipping, you know, put it on that vertical hold. But maybe there's something to what Leonard Sweet's grandmother was saying, hey Leonard, be a saint and get my blanket please. Maybe part of what it means to be a saint is to be a person who is humble enough to serve others. A person who lives by faith and, and therefore walks in the steps of Christ and sets himself or herself aside over and over and over again. Someone who gives with no strings attached to it, who loves with no real expectations. Who believes and that's enough. Who serves without having to give it deep consideration as to whether they have time or energy. Maybe there's something to Sweet's grandmother. Hey Leonard, would you be a saint and get my blanket for me? Maybe that is sainthood in some form or fashion. I told the staff this week a story about the lady who lived across the street next to our house. She was the grandmother of two of my buddies, Rusty and Edward. And so I spent not only a lot of time at Rusty and Edward's house, but I spent a lot of time at her house. She could be seen driving her car all over Warren County. It seemed that once the sun came up, uh, she hit the road. And there were times you would pass her on the road and I would ask my dad, I wonder where Miss Mildred is going. I usually called her Granny because that's what Rusty and Edward called her and I would call her Granny. I wonder where Granny is going and my dad would always say she's going to play that organ or that piano somewhere whenever Callaway's funeral home uh, needs someone to play a piano or an organ at a funeral no matter where that church is uh, they always call Miss Mildred. She drives all over this county every day playing music at weddings and funerals and all manner of thing. Taking groceries to folks who don't have any. Writing notes to people who need to hear from her. In my small town, we had a small town newspaper called the Warrington Clipper. Claude Felton from time to time will send me a copy of the Warrington Clipper. It'll be in my box in a manila envelope. I always kind of look forward to getting it. I'll open it up and it's a little different now. Mostly it's just 
ads for the grocery store and ham being on sale or beans or something like that. Used to be a little bit thicker as most newspapers were. And it, it didn't take a lot to get your name in the newspaper in Warrington being a small town paper. If you had a one year perfect attendance pen in Sunday school at the Methodist Church, your name would probably get in the paper. If you did anything in Little League Baseball, I mean, your name would probably, if you struck out four times, your name would be in there for trying. Uh, it didn't matter. You could get your name in the paper, but no matter how many times your name was in the newspaper, you just liked it. It was good to see your name in there. And you wondered if anybody else knew your name was in the newspaper. That somehow you had been honored by the Warrington Clipper. And every time my name hit that paper, it didn't matter for what, Every time my picture was in there, and it didn't matter for what, a little envelope would come to my house, and a little note would be in that envelope, and that little clipping would be cut out of that newspaper. And it would be, Chuck, I'm so proud of you. Keep doing good things, Granny. She played at funerals and weddings and drove all over the community doing things for people. And every time my name hit the clipper, she cut it out and sent it to me. I left Warren County High School after my 10th grade year, and I went to school in Aiken, South Carolina at St. Angela Academy, a Catholic school. Moved out of Warrington, and my name didn't appear in the clipper anymore. Uh, but every once in a while, for one reason or another, you might get your name in the Augusta Chronicle. And that was the big time. You had really made it if you ever got your name in the Chronicle. And I remember one Saturday morning opening up the Chronicle after a football game on Friday night. And there was a small little headline in there no one would notice. And, and it had Hodges in that little headline. Not Chuck, just Hodges. And I remember that morning when I opened it up, I was a senior in high school. And I thought, oh my goodness, look at that. A headline in the Augusta Chronicle. Not enough to notice, except by me and my mom and dad. About Wednesday or Thursday, I came home after football practice and there had been a package in the mail, a little envelope. I had no idea who it might be from. And I opened that envelope and there was a little book in there, a real small book, not, not a huge novel. And on the cover of the book, it said, Prayers for Teens. I pulled that book out, and as I did, I opened it up, and something fell out of that book. And I picked up what had fallen out off the floor, and it was the article about how our team had won the game last Friday. And that little tiny headline that no one would really notice 
had caught someone's eye who had not seen me in over a year. Dear Chuck, I'm proud of you. Keep doing good. Granny. She was not a perfect woman. But she was a saint. Because that's who saints are. And that's what saints do. When I got sick, I was given a prayer shawl by the prayer shawl ministry of our church. And I held on tight to that thing from 640 St. Ives Drive to Clifton Road at Emory Hospital. I held on tight to that thing because it was a tangible reminder that people were praying for me. And people had not forgotten me. And when I got better and was back at church, one of the members of the prayer shawl ministry came up here and passed me in the hall and she gave me that. They knit prayer shawls and they knit prayer squares and they knit... Uh, prayer scarves. It may sound silly, and I'll own it if it does. But every night when I get into bed, I clutch this. to my heart. And I know that there are those who hold me in theirs. And the woman who gave me this, who knitted this, and who thought of me, she's a saint. They have knitted enough material to stretch from Athens to Dallas, Texas. Mildred Ricketson and Diane Morrison for me. They're saints. It's funny kind of in a strange way that November begins with All Saints Day, and it usually ends with the beginning of Advent. Saints, saints usually fly under the radar. They don't call a lot of attention to themselves. And we celebrate those lives today. We call the names. Many of these names you will not know. But be assured, 
the names we call today are those who've lived by faith, those who've walked with God and will be with Him forever. And we will end the month with Advent. And what is the whole purpose of the season of preparation for Christmas? To expect and to recognize. Right? When He was born in Bethlehem, so few were paying attention. It was like He was flying beneath the radar, except for that star in the sky that only a few saw. So on this day, we pay attention to those we may know, we may not know. You remember those who have touched your life, those who have been saints for you. And we will end this month in a season of preparing to welcome Him once again into our world. This is an important day in the life of the church. This is a day we honor those who help us to believe. Let us pray. We bless Your holy name, O God, for all Your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and their faithfulness to Your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We name the names of those who lived by faith, who died by faith, who now rest from their labor in that home prepared for them. Jim Allen. Reuben Black. Jesse Blake. Sally Ann Coffin. June Coffin. Kathy Edwards. Tim Gibson.
Gloria Granberry. Paul Hannah. Ferris Harmon. Marge Harris. Jan Honeycutt. Jim Johnson. Betty McCowan. Mary McDonald. Janelle Moraine. Martha Nix. Grace Raybeck. Mary Jane Ramsey. Beth Randolph. Ed Roberson. Joel Stowers. (laughs) 
Peggy Sudreth. Jean Weekly. Ken Witten. Wyatt Wilson. And we light one last candle today for all those that we call to mind and to heart on this All Saints Sunday.
To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.